0: One of the things that makes me most compassionately angry is when I come across good people with a big heart and a desire to serve, and they have a gift, an idea, a message within them that if they allowed themselves to share it with the world, it could transform the lives of other people and radically transform their own lives, their own sense of abundance, but yet those people play small. And they continue to live in a story of, Dan, I can't possibly monetize my purpose. The BS Alarm is on red alert this week, and I am going to bust through the four myths to help you get unstuck and actually monetize your life's purpose. Welcome to episode 135 of Life Amplified. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. One of my three favorite movies of all time is The Truman Show with Jim Carrey, which if you've never seen it, by all means, find whatever streaming service you use and go watch that movie. Uh, but the quick Cliff's Notes version is Jim Carrey plays a man who is born as a baby onto the set of the world's longest running reality show his entire life is broadcast to millions of homes around the world. And everybody in his life is all an actor. They're all playing a part in the world's biggest soundstage. Uh, His wife is an actress. The parents who raised him, they were paid actors. His best friend is an actor. His co-workers, the townspeople, all part of this elaborate TV show. And everybody is in on the joke except for Truman. And over the course of this movie, through a series of events, Truman begins to question the reality that's around him. He starts to want more for his life. He he has this inner sense that there is something more out there. Yet every time he starts to take steps to leave the marriage or to leave his town, the producers – creates some sort of catastrophe that keeps him from leaving. You know, the roads get shut down because of uh, brush fires. And when he tries to get on a boat to sail away, they concoct a huge rainstorm. And Truman is just struggling to break through these paradigms of the only world that he's ever known. And there's a great line in the movie with Ed Harris, who plays the director, and he's amazing in the movie too. But they ask him at one point about, you know, what is the point of all of this? Why this big social experiment to take an orphan baby and and let it grow up in a false world? And he has a line where he says, we accept the reality of what is presented before us. Sit with that for a moment. We accept the reality that's presented to us. Where is that relevant in your life? Where do you have belief systems that aren't even yours, that were demonstrated to you as a child, that were instilled in you by your parents, remembering that each and every one of us is born as a blank canvas. You came out of the womb with no beliefs. Everything about you, all your identity, all your beliefs about yourself, the world, abundance, the universe, they were all indoctrinated into you some point along the way. A great exercise that you can try this week is to take a piece of paper and break it into four quadrants. And I want you to think about abundance and prosperity. I want you to create a quadrant that says love and acceptance. I want you to take the third quadrant and make it about self expression and authenticity. And the fourth quadrant can simply be about happiness. And start to take inventory Or what are your beliefs? What is your model of the world in each of those four areas of your life? How did you learn to get love and acceptance growing up? What are the beliefs that you have abundance and about money? What happened when you tried to authentically self-express yourself? Were you told that you're too much? Were you told that you're stressing your parents out and that you needed to tone it down? And this is not an exercise that you can do in two minutes. Uh, you know, I highly suggest pour yourself a glass of wine, kombucha, coffee, whatever your thing is, and really spend some time journaling on those four areas of your life. Because what it's going to do is give you a road map, a blueprint for your own Truman Show life. About the places where you are living, bumping up against a glass ceiling that you don't even know is there just because of the beliefs that you have. And it might be worthwhile on a second piece of paper to reflect what are the times in my life where I've tried to step beyond these beliefs and what happened? What were the forces that tried to pull me back in? You know, I eventually walked away from my soul-sucking corporate job in 2015, but it was in 2009, 2010 that I really started questioning about what am I really here to do? And when I would have these conversations with my father, who was, you know, very successful in corporate, he was a corporate guy, put in 40-plus years climbing the ladder before he retired, you know, he would just sort of reel me back in. Daniel, you don't work that hard. What do you have to complain about? You know, the people filling potholes on the side of the road, they have it worse. And eventually, in 2014, when I took that final corporate job, the one that you've heard me just say was like the worst thing, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, at about the four or five month mark, it became very obvious uh, to not just me, but to the people I work for that I was not happy there. You know, they positioned this job that I took. I said, Oh, you're going to have so much autonomy and you're going to have a lot of creative freedom. And when I got there, that was not the case, but They also tried to reel me back in the same way that these roadblocks would happen for Truman every time he tried to escape. I remember my boss, look, he wasn't a bad guy, and I think he was looking for a way to motivate me. And he knew that at that point in my life, I was very addicted to feeling significant. So knowing that I was pissed off and not happy or fulfilled in the job, he pulls me aside one day. He's like, oh, Dan... Uh, I want to do something for you. We have never done for a manager in the company. Now, the company was not publicly traded. They were private, uh, privately family owned, but they had their own version of stock options where you would get a sheet of paper with a certain amount of money on it that would vest if you had stayed with the company uh, beyond three years. So this was pretty much I mean it was a worthless piece of paper but the idea being once I made it to three years there would be a $15,000 bonus and he made it clear we have never given out an amount this large but we want you to know that we want to keep you here and it's essentially just like the corporate handcuffs you know people find this all the time whenever they're ready to leave a job the boss comes to you and gives you a raise one of my super successful uh, executive sales clients Uh, When she was on the verge of leaving that job, she was honest about it. Her boss would just tell the employees, we want to make it impossible for you to leave. But if you're a person who is driven primarily by a need for certainty and significance, which is where most of the clients who come to me, that's the thing that drives them. It makes you feel important. It makes you feel like I can't possibly earn this much money working for my own dream instead of the company's. And it also rewards you because you're like, well, I want to really please the company and I got to be this thing that they want me to be. Essentially, when I was offered that $15,000 worthless paper bonus that I never saw because I was out of that job like six or seven months later, what it was is hey, come play the game. We know you're unhappy. But come on over to the dark side, Dan, and we're going to buy your loyalty. We're going to buy your submission or your domestication. And this is how you're going to be successful. And it would almost reinforce in my mind that, God, I- I'll never be able to earn money being myself. And for a lot of people, and I was one of them for a good four years, you stay trapped and you really you know, get that validation You feel seen and heard and valued because somebody has just given you another pay bump or another promotion or a company car, but deep down, you know you're still out of alignment. So when that hit of significance wears off, again, you're left with the emptiness and there is a yearning to move into your purpose. And because the ego wants to keep you trapped... You know, your ego is essentially, I heard Shaman Durek talk about this one time, that the ego is just your personal assistant. You know, the ego is just there to confirm your model of reality. It's there to find whatever it is that you believe. If you're working under a model that says, I can never earn this kind of money working for myself, the ego goes and finds evidence that says, okay, you have to stay here. And This is why clients will uh, often get frustrated right when they're ready to quit. I've had so many clients who are like, oh my God, they just offered me a promotion. They offered me more money to stay because subconscious. Consciously, the programming is, is I have to sell out. I have to be a company person if I want financial security. So the ego just sort of manifests it and creates more situations that would force you to sell out and stay where you're at. You can do this in any part of your life. If you're a person who believes, oh, well, you know, all the good people are taken in dating. The ego goes, got it. Understand your belief system. Here's some more bad people who were a terrible fit for you. And again, this is why the inner work is so important because some people will go take the leap. Into leaving corporate and pursuing a business, but they're still operating subconsciously with the belief of this can't work out. I can't be paid to be myself. And the ego creates that, right? They're like, oh, here's more barriers to finding clients, or here's more barriers to making the money that you want. So, you know, people will go for three months, a year, even a couple years, and then eventually take that off ramp. Uh, and go right back to corporate where they feel safe and where they feel that that their needs can be met. And the hardest thing for people is to understand that all those external barriers that you're experiencing, that you're saying, well, the universe is telling me now is not the right time to go or that I'm not capable of doing this. They're just an outward projection Of The movie that's playing internally in your head. If you think about your subconscious as just being a movie projector that's projecting onto the screen, everything that we are experiencing in the outside world is just a reflection of what's going on internally. That's a little metaphysical. That might be a little woo for some, but I guarantee you. This is, you know, if you do a coaching package with me, wherever you're feeling stuck or not getting the results in your life, I can help you trace it right back <laughs> to where you're subconsciously manifesting it. So all that being said, I want to dig into the four stories that keep people stuck so that we can create the mindset shift to move beyond these and you can step into your purpose where you can be in the highest level of self-expression, but also the highest earning capacity, because your value isn't determined by a number on a spreadsheet or some corporate pig sitting in an ivory tower. Your value is created internally. But let's talk about the four beliefs uh, that are keeping you from owning that value. And we'll start with the money-related ones first. Number one, biggest excuse I hear is, Dan, people won't pay me for my gifts, People won't pay me for my message or the way that I want to add value. And then what gets created, particularly in the entrepreneurial world, is we tell people, well, you got to get out there. You got to add value. You got to add value. You got to be on Instagram. You got to be on Facebook. You got to be, you know, providing all this content and writing articles and doing video series, add value to people's lives. But the challenge is, is we don't even value the value that we're offering. You know, I've recently been spending a lot of time on Clubhouse, which is this brand new app. It's almost like live audio podcasting, and you can find rooms for everything on there. Dating advice, love and romance. They have entrepreneurship and mindset and metaphysical uh, discussions that are going on, and there's a lot of high-level people that are engaging in conversations on there. I've seen Damon John from Shark Tank. Gary Vaynerchuk is up there right now. Uh, Elon Musk has been doing rooms. Kanye West just did a room. You can find whatever you want on Clubhouse. And the good news is, is there is so much free advice at your disposal. And the bad news about Clubhouse is there is so much free advice at your disposal because I've heard some terrible advice from people in the entrepreneurial space They're like, oh, yeah, well, just, you know, start a Facebook group and then charge people $25 for your coaching services or for your consulting practice. And I'm like, oh, my God, why are we telling people to do that? To undercut and undervalue themselves, because all that happens is people get out and they start serving and they feel good. And your gifts, your message will make a difference in the life of somebody else and then you're going to look at your bank account and be like, well, why am I not making money doing this? Well, it must be because I'm not worth it. And it creates this self-fulfilling prophecy. Trust me. I am the guy that started out doing $45 coaching sessions and my clients were literally transforming their entire lives. People moving beyond anxiety, healing from trauma, creating dream careers. They're out there crushing it in the world. And I'm like, why am I going bankrupt right now? Because I didn't value the value that I was offering. I was so scared. And this will dovetail into the second point that I was going to share in just a moment. But I remember being ready to crap my pants The first time I charged $100 for a session, that seemed so absurd to me. And in hindsight, I think about it like people will go pay $150 at Massage Envy for a hot stone massage or they could back in the days when we could actually, you know, touch each other and things, you know, for a massage that relaxed them for an hour and then they'd go right back to being tense and here I am undercharging, you know, scared to even ask for 100 an hour. And what switched for me is the day, day I realized that there were low-level prostitutes that were probably earning more per hour. <laughs> I'm not talking about the high-paid escorts in Las Vegas. There are literally some broken-down people, missing teeth, doing things behind a bridge in a back alley uh, who were making more per hour than I was. Here I am offering so much and so much support for people, but I wouldn't allow myself to receive. It's not sustainable over time. You have to value the value that you offer, which brings me to the second point. I felt guilty and was scared that I was charging, air quotes here, too much What was that about at the end of the day, subconscious fears around receiving, about putting people out or putting them in a tough position if I asked for fair compensation for what I was offering? And those money beliefs go all the way back to being five or six years old. I've, st- I've shared the story here on the podcast probably a couple years ago, but I'll revisit it quickly for the new listeners. I remember, as my dad was working his way up the corporate ladder and my family started to do really well, my mom had family members who were still struggling, you know, who were kind of living paycheck to paycheck. And even some people who were on like monthly assistance and welfare checks. And I remember that that started to cause a divide in the family. Like there'd be some resentment toward my mother. I remember at an early age kind of picking up on that energy. But I I remember going to visit my grandmother in Chicago and her taking me to the the drugstore and letting me go to the toy aisle where they have you know like the cheap 5 dollar like cops and robbers set with the police badge and the plastic handcuffs and she wanted to buy that for me and i remember being so acutely aware that my family was doing better and that she wasn't and i remember looking at the price tag saying grandma no that's too much you can't spend that on me and i was praised for it oh what a kind Thoughtful boy. And, you know, th- those beliefs were running under the surface all through the, my adult life and especially into entrepreneurship. You know, being uncomfortable receiving, feeling like, you know, it was my place to do more giving than receiving. Uh, and that would show up in relationships, it would show up in money. But the mindset shift that I want to give you today is twofold. Number one, Where I operate from right now, obviously, I have very high-level coaching programs uh, that are significant investments. Now, I have some group coaching programs that are an investment that can work for literally anybody's budget listening today, but I also do one-on-one work that is a significant investment, and I believe that that's one of the greatest acts of service that I can do for my clients is to charge appropriately. Because when people are making a significant investment in themselves, they take it seriously. They commit. They show up to do the work. When I was doing sessions for $45 a session, there would be times clients would just wait till 10 minutes before the session and blow it off. Ah, Dan, I can't be there today. Sorry. Uh, you know, maybe we can just, can we, can we postpone this? They never took the work seriously. So they weren't getting the transformation. As I started creating higher level investments, people are like, oh, I spent money in this. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to honor this commitment to myself. Also, as it comes to this idea of receiving and being afraid to receive, the universe wants you to be abundant. For so many reasons. Number one, when your needs are met, when you're not stressing out about where's the next paycheck coming from or how I'm going to make rent, that's creating more mental bandwidth for you to put towards serving the people that you're here to help. The more your needs are taken care of, the more value you're going to be able to give to the world. Also, the more money that you make, the more that you can help other people. The more that you have to donate, the more that you have to help a neighbor who might be struggling in the uh, you know, COVID recession. So the law of circulation is always in play. The more that you can make, the more you can help people. The more you can donate, but also the more energy that you have freed up to be a person of service in the world. And by the way, if there is any part of you that is triggered by that, who thinks, oh, well, you know, if, if you find yourself activated or angry about what I just shared, there's something in there for you to investigate as well. It's very in vogue right now in our culture to hate on the people who are billionaires. There are people who are literally like billionaires shouldn't exist. And who are these people think they are? But when you, the things that you're withholding, The love you're withholding from other people or when you're judging other people for being wealthy, it's also an energy that means you're pushing away the opportunity to get that wealth because you believe being wealthy has a bad connotation. So why would you ever allow yourself to generate the money? So if you find yourself triggered by this episode, cool, no offense taken, but let's get curious. What's driving that? And could you be energetically pushing away more of what you really want to have in your life? The third belief that keeps people from monetizing their purpose, Ah, oh, Dan, I need more training. I need more certification. I know people who have perpetually uh, been taking digital courses for years, getting ready to get ready to pursue their purpose. And we can sort of hide behind that is having high standards, Right. Well, Dan, I just want to make sure all my ducks are in a row. I want to make sure that I know what I'm doing to serve people. But really what it is, is just fear masquerading as high standards. And quite simply, at the most basic level, what we're talking about is imposter syndrome. Now. There are some vocations and lines of work that are very technical, that are very precise. And yes, you need to have an education in order to do it. If you want to become the world's next great heart surgeon, it would help if you knew the mechanics of how to cut into somebody's body and fix their heart. But that's not what most people come to me searching to do. My clients who I work with, they're dealing more in the soft skills and emotional intelligence, and using their empathy and compassion to help other people. And they believe that they need a degree or some sort of piece of paper that makes them enough. But the mindset shift for you is that God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. Your desire to help people is all the certification that you really need, you know, and I'm honest with people, people are like Dan, you know, how many, what, where did you go to get a life coach certification? I'm like, you know what? I didn't. <laughs> My education is a degree in communications and a minor in musical theater. And that's what I bring to the table. You know, you want me to talk on the radio from an education standpoint, I'm qualified to do that. I will sing the hell out of a show tune for you. But you know what? I'm still qualified to be a coach. Because I haven't just studied or intellectually understood these things, I've lived it. I've invested so much money in my own personal growth over the last six years to get clear on what drives human behavior, what are the underlying patterns that keep people stuck. And the proof that I am worthy to be doing this work is in the results that my clients are getting. Even in the middle of a global pandemic last year, I had clients who walked away from C-suite jobs and started their own purpose-driven business. I had people who were on the verge of bankruptcy who turned around and started generating record income in eight weeks in a way that is authentically aligned to who they are and allows them to serve the people that they're meant to serve. Clients who doubled their income from what they were making in the nine-to-five job and actually working less hours in the process. And even aside from the money or the businesses that are started, the amount of self-love, the amount of healing that my clients have done. I think of people like Louise, who was on the, uh, the podcast that we did last September about thriving in a pandemic. She's retired. She had a great career, but she still was disconnected from herself. And in doing her own healing, she's now manifested an amazing relationship and they're moving in together and talking marriage. So... Healing comes in a variety of different ways. Finding your purpose and living your amplified life is different things for different people depending on the season of life that you are in. But I stand in the value of those results. And I will tell you that over the course now, of five and a half years, if I had to count, how many people have asked me, well, Dan, are you qualified to be doing this work? What is your certification or degree, Dan? I could count on one hand the number of times people have asked me. Because people who are in pain don't care about your degree. They want to know that you care about them. And they want to know that you have a structure, a framework, tools that can help them improve their lives. So let's get out of the imposter syndrome. Quit looking for another online program or another degree that's going to make you be enough and just get into helping people. There's nothing to prove. There's only people to serve. The fourth story that keeps people stuck. Oh, this is going to be a big one from childhood. Oh, Dan, but who cares about what I have to say? This is for the people out there that have ever thought about writing their book, becoming a TED Talk speaker. Oh, that's a big one, right? Who cares about what I have to say? That was. I remember the day when I was sending my email to Ariana Huffington with a writing submission to start writing for the Huff Post, And that's all my inner critic was doing the whole time. Dan. This woman just sold her company for $300 million. She doesn't care. And you might as well have just replaced the words of Ariana Huffington with mom. <laughs> I was projecting all that out there. Because if I spoke up, too much, it caused pain. I told that, I was told that uh, I was stressing my parents out, that I needed to shut up, that I just needed to do what I was told. You know, there's a lot of religious programming in that too with the honor thy father and mother, which is great. Yes, we should honor our parents, but not at our own expense, right? That was a big one that I, and I see it happen with so many people. So the answer for Dan, who cares about what I have to say? The answer is the people whose lives will be changed when you stop hiding and step up and speak authentically from your heart, when you share your knowledge. You know, I think of what Patrick Hines shared on the podcast last November where he said everybody has something that you know more about than everybody else, and that's true. You might not even have perfectly solved the problem. When I started my coaching business – I couldn't help people like build a six-figure business. I just knew how to help them find their purpose and take the first step. As I've gone deeper into my own healing and invested more in myself and I have gone further, I can take people farther. But, you know, you don't have to have completed all 12 steps of the 12-step program to encourage somebody to take their first day of sobriety. There are people behind you right now that need your example. They need your voice. They need to know what you've overcome and they want to know how you did it. And now more than ever is the time to stop hiding And to step up. So, those are four mindset shifts to get you started. And you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, Dan, but how do these things really help me and guarantee that I'm going to monetize my purpose? This might get me started. But, Dan, you know, you're like Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jerry Maguire, like, show me the money, Dan. Here's what I would tell you money and income as it pertains to your purpose is the final part of the creative cycle. Until you start formulating your message, until you start your company or create your product or write the book or launch the podcast, until you make it manifest in the physical plane in the 3D world, you can't monetize it. You know, it's very difficult just to monetize an inspired idea until you go through the process of nurturing it And bringing it to life. And the other piece of that is, is when you encounter a setback along the process to monetizing, it's not evidence that your idea sucks or that you're lacking or that you're not enough. All it is, is evidence that you haven't properly figured out how to market the thing that you're taking out into the world. There are ways I know that I've grown as a coach because I've grown in my own spiritual and personal development. So I have more tools at my disposal that can help people break through. But the place where I've really had to grow over the course of my business is as a marketer and making clear to people what is the transformation I can provide when they make the investment to work with me. But so many times people might not be clear on who it is they want to serve, or what the specific problem is that they want to solve. So when the income isn't there, because they're not clear on their marketing, they use it as evidence to prove all four of the BS stories I just shared with you. I'm not ready. People won't pay me. I'm charging too much. And all it is is a marketing problem. So I'll give you a quick example. Did you buy the V-toner in the late 1980s? You're like, Dan... What the hell is a V-toner? Aha, exactly. Uh, The V-toner was actually some like resistance exercise tool with a spring in the middle that you could use to work out your biceps or use to work out your legs. And it was released to the world, this V-toner, and nobody bought it. But with a different marketing plan and a new name and more focused marketing, it actually sold... Six million units at $20 a pop. I'm talking about the Thigh Master. (laughs) You remember that? Your mom probably had one back in the day, like the Suzanne Summers infomercials. That's right. It was the same exact exercise technology as the V-toner, but the marketing people decided that for their target audience, which was moms and middle-aged women, the place where they complained the most about their body at that time was their thighs. So once they took this tool that could have worked for your biceps, your arms, your shoulders, and they simply made it about toning up your thighs, and they got the right spokesperson to commit to it, 12 million units sold. So remember, monetizing your purpose is the last stage of the creative cycle. And if you're struggling to monetize, it's not a value issue in you or what you have to provide. It's simply a marketing problem. But this is why the work that you have to do to truly bring your purpose to life is holistic. So many people are just wanting to find these strategies in business to help them monetize, but they haven't done the inner work. So they have all the right strategies, but they still don't believe that they're ready. They don't believe they have the experience. They're afraid to ask for money, and they end up blocking themselves from the miracle anyway. So you really need to tackle these things holistically, starting with the inner work and then continuing to the outer marketing plan. I hope that this episode serves you. I hope this helps you take inventory on the places where you are blocking yourself from the next level of abundance in your career. And it gives you a couple powerful things. If you're a person who's taken the leap but you're not getting the results that you want, maybe there's some other things going on. Maybe you're just not marketing at all, by the way. It's not even so much that you're not, that you have the wrong messaging. Maybe you're still hiding and you're relying on word of mouth because you don't want to put yourself out there. But let's get clear on A, your purpose B, what's keeping you from bringing it to life, and C, a plan that's going to help you move forward and monetize it. That's what so many of my coaching programs are about. It's part of the work that I love to do with clients, and one of the things that makes me unique is I'm one of the only coaches on the market that can help you with all three, by the way. If you'd like some more information about how we can work together to break through, you can go to my website, CreativeSoulCoaching.net. Click on the link, fill out an application. We'll talk about how to create your next level of purpose and income. You can also, if you're loving this episode, screenshot it, upload it to Instagram and Twitter, tag me at CSC Dan Mason. And if you want to mingle with me, I am up on the Clubhouse app now, uh, doing a lot of uh, moderating, a lot of rooms, doing a lot of personal development, spiritual development, mindset work. It can be addicting. It can be a time suck, but there is value in there, and I would love to connect with you. It is available only on iOS right now, but if you've downloaded the app, be sure to search for me there, at Dan Mason. I love you for listening. I appreciate you, and I believe in you. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity. Turn up the volume on your purpose, so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.